This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Nicola Bully? First, I'll look at the background of this case, move to the timeline of the disappearance, then offer my analysis. Nicola Bully was born in Essex, England on October 12, 1977. She moved to Lancashire in the late 1990s. By 2023, 45-year-old Nicola had two daughters, ages 9 and 6, and a 44-year-old partner named Paul Ansel. The family lived in a small village named Inskip, which is about 90 minutes northwest of Manchester. Nicola worked as a mortgage advisor. Both she and her partner mostly worked from home. Now moving to the timeline of the disappearance. On January 27, 2023, Nicola left her home at about 8.26 a.m. She drove to a village called St. Michael's on Wire, which is about four miles away. Nicola dropped her children off at school at 8.40 a.m. She had a brief conversation with another parent when she was there. At 8.43 a.m., Nicola left her car in the parking lot and started walking along the river wire. This was part of her typical routine. She walked this route many times before. She was accompanied by her Springer Spaniel named Willow. Nicola was on a path that led to a lower field. At 8.47 a.m., a witness who knew Nicola saw her walking Willow in the area of the lower field. Their dogs interacted briefly before the witness continued out of the area. At 8.53 a.m., Nicola sent an email to the company where she worked. She sent a text message to a friend four minutes later, arranging a play date for their children that week. At 9.01 a.m., Nicola connected to a communication platform called Microsoft Teams. Her microphone and her camera on her cell phone were not activated. It sounds like she connected simply to listen in to what was going on in the meeting. Nicola was spotted at around 9.10 a.m. on an upper field. Willow was not on a leash at this time. According to cell phone data that was later recovered, at 9.20 a.m., Nicola's phone was at a bench near the edge of the river. At 9.30 a.m., the host of the Microsoft Teams meeting disconnected the call. Three minutes later, another person walking a dog found Nicola's cell phone on the bench. The phone was still connected to the call, even though the host had already ended the call. Nicola's dog, Willow, was found running between the bench and the gate to the field at about 10.15 a.m. The dog was described as agitated and bone dry. The dog's harness was found on the ground near the river wire. The authorities were notified and started investigating the disappearance. The police indicated that they didn't believe foul play was involved in Nicola's disappearance. They could not find any evidence that she left the area. Their primary theory at the time making this video is that Nicola fell into the river wire. The police believed this despite the absence of any physical evidence that she fell in. There are no marks on the riverbank to indicate that she slipped. The police did not mention finding any blood or other indication that she was injured. 
Nobody saw her fall into the river, and nobody reported hearing someone yelling something to the effect of, hey, I'm in the river, I could use some help. An extensive search was conducted of the area. Divers went into the river, but they didn't find anything. Nicola was wearing a Fitbit when she went missing. The police have analyzed the data that was available on her account, but they have not reported their findings. A witness came forward and said that on the day Nicola went missing, two men were by a church and near a bridge close to where Nicola was walking. The men were acting suspiciously. At the time making this video, the police continued to search for Nicola Bully. I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you? Would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? Download American Vigilante now. Twenty-four hours ago, I found out the person I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister, Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series, and that's when murder, all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con. Now moving to my analysis. Let's take a look at the evidence both for and against the main theories about what happened in this case. Theory number one is that Nicholas' partner, Paul, was somehow involved in her disappearance. Whenever a woman goes missing, her romantic interest is often thought of as a potential suspect. But in this case, there is no reason to believe that Paul was involved. One would think that if he was involved, he would be a big fan of the fell-into-the-river theory as that would not involve anyone being arrested. However, Paul is actually trying to convince people that a bad actor was involved. He said that he is 100% convinced that Nicola is not in the river. He thought that someone who knew the local area might be involved in her disappearance. In addition, nobody saw Paul in the area, and there was no apparent motive for him to want Nicola to go missing. Theory number two is that Nicola started a new life. Another version of this theory is that she simply ran off with a lover on a temporary basis. Under this theory, being a mortgage advisor was no longer satisfactory, so Nicola decided she wanted to disappear and start fresh somewhere else. This theory is supported by the fact that no one else appears to be involved in Nicola's disappearance except her. 
Perhaps she simply walked away on her own. In order to obscure her intent, she left her children, her partner, her dog, her cell phone, and all of her property behind. This theory is refuted by several factors. How would Nicola have survived? Where does she get money? How did she get to wherever she was going? Even if Nicola wanted to get away from certain parts of her life, why would she abandon every part of it? Like, why would she abandon her children? It is exceptionally difficult to start a new life in the modern world, even with a lot of preparation. There is no indication that Nicola did anything unusual before her disappearance. Even if she simply ran off with a lover, communication would have been necessary to execute the plan. She would have had to talk to the lover using some method. Why did Nicola get on a work-related call right before disappearing? Would that have really been a priority? I cannot imagine Nicola saying to herself, I'm excited about getting started with my new life, but I'm curious about this one last mortgage company call. Theory number three is that Nicola disappeared of her own volition and brought an end to her life in a location where it would be difficult to find her body. Perhaps she made her way into the river. This theory runs into a number of the same problems as the start a new life theory, but it would explain a few of the unusual circumstances in this disappearance. The planning for this theory would not be that difficult. If Nicola was depressed, this could explain why she left everyone and everything behind. As far as contradictory factors, there is no indication that Nicola was depressed, and completing a plan like this by walking into a river would be highly unusual, although not completely unheard of. Theory number four, Nicola was kidnapped by one or more perpetrators. Another version of this theory is that the perpetrator simply killed Nicola and put her body in the river. Looking at the factors in favor of this theory, two suspicious men were seen in the area around the time Nicola disappeared. Nicola had a pattern of walking in the same area regularly. Many people in the village knew who she was. This could explain how a perpetrator was able to get away with this kidnapping so quickly. Nicola disappeared in a very small window of time, about 10 minutes, assuming that Nicola was the one who placed her cell phone on the bench. This makes me wonder if somebody had been watching Nicola for a while as she walked on the path. They knew her every move and timed the attack carefully. They knew exactly where to strike, where to park their vehicle, and how to get away undetected. Looking at the factors that contradict this theory, video surveillance did not capture any potential suspects in the area, despite a witness seeing two men in the area. Even with careful planning, the time frame for the kidnapping was quite limited. The area from where Nicola disappeared would be difficult to access by motor vehicle. It's not like somebody could have just pulled right up next to Nicola and grabbed her. If this was a kidnapping, the perpetrator had a difficult task. They entered the area on foot, grabbed Nicola, and somehow made their escape without alerting anyone. How did the perpetrator silence Nicola during the attack? No one heard any screaming, and certainly she would have made noise and resisted. There was no evidence of a struggle. This would require an efficient and precise kidnapper. Even if the perpetrator committed homicide and threw Nicola's body in the river, there probably still would have been signs of a struggle. Theory number five, Nicola fell in the river and was swept out to sea. This is the theory that the police are promoting. A number of the circumstances of the disappearance can be explained 
using this theory. For example, it explains why no one else was seen in the area, how her body was removed from the area, and why it has never been found, and why her phone and dog were found near the river. In addition, there is evidence that Nicola was near the river and her dog was running around. Maybe her dog ran into her and pushed her into the river. Moving to factors that contradict this theory, the water near the riverbank was only three feet deep, although the river is deeper in the middle. Nicola was described as slim, fit, and five foot three inches tall. If she had fallen into the river, she would have simply stood up and walked back to the riverbank. Even if Nicola somehow made it to the middle of the river, water moves slowly. A person falling in the river would not be swept anywhere quickly, rather would move at a leisurely pace down the river. It seems unlikely that Nicola would have ended up in the river in the first place. I suppose the dog could have pushed her in, but the dog could not have generated enough force to throw Nicola several feet into the air, causing her to land in the middle of the river. She would have fallen right near the riverbank. Again, there, the water's only three feet deep. Even if for some reason, her carefree and content canine compulsively became a combative and cold-blooded companion and was compelled to cast her into the cold current, why didn't Nicola simply climb out of the river? When considering all the evidence, how would I rank the theories from most to least probable? I think the most probable theory is number four. Nicola was kidnapped by an unknown perpetrator or unknown perpetrators. After this, theory number three, she brought an end to her own life. Theory number five, she fell into the river and was swept out to sea. Theory number two, she started a new life or ran off with a lover. And the least likely theory would be number one, her partner was somehow involved. This is one of those cases where no single theory really rises to the top. There isn't much evidence to consider. In one moment, Nicola was walking her dog. In the next moment, she was gone. Moving to the next question. The Lancashire police claim that so-called internet crime experts are damaging their investigation. Could this really be true? The police are essentially saying that self-proclaimed detectives have created too much speculation, which has led to a distraction. Some of the speculation involves the promotion of conspiracy theories. The police are forced to read everything posted online, including the nonsense, and this leads to wasted resources. Also, the online crime experts have been harassing witnesses and local businesses in St. Michael's by wire. I think the police are unfairly combining two activities perpetrated by these so-called experts. There is a significant difference between fake experts who post speculation in an online forum for people to read or ignore as they see fit, and a person who travels to an area of a disappearance and harasses people. Clearly, the harassment must be dealt with in a direct manner, but the online speculation is protected free speech. These types of mysterious disappearances are often treated as thought experiments and tend to attract intellectually curious people. Of course, some of the speculation can get out of hand. For example, according to one media outlet, Paul's character was attacked by self-proclaimed body language experts. Some of the speculation on the message boards is completely useless. For example, fake experts have claimed that Nicola was taken by a UFO or kidnapped using a secret tunnel that runs under the river wire. There is no tunnel there, which definitely limits the viability of that theory. 
despite all the nonsense being generated, I find the request of the Lancashire police to be disingenuous. The police are not forced to follow up on each fable about a flying saucer, furtive fissure, or any other far-fetched fantasy. Social media users who speculate passively about a mysterious disappearance are not going to derail any investigation. I think the reality is that the police are tired of being criticized. If anyone derails the investigation, it's going to be the police. They may want to consider redirecting their bitterness at themselves. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men. And the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. And together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.